0: For once, somebody was singing and it wasn't me. Brad, can you do like Michael McDonald? What? Can I what? Yeah, like you know how he does with his voice? I was just listening to What a Fool Believes a few minutes ago.
1: I uh, I, was I if have many. I, I can carry a tune, but I don't know if I can do the old uh, Michael McDonald. Yeah. Unfortunately.
0: Heard a place in his life.
1: Wow. I can't even tell which one of y'all that was. That was the Ferbs. Yeah, let's keep it that way. <laughs> See, now now Ferber's going to be really salty if that ends up in the uh, intro. I'm over it. Welcome everyone of to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, March the 29th. Um, April will be here on the other side, um, which, you know, it, it's, either, it's either a really good thing um, or, you know, in Virginia's case, this season obviously is a, um, you know, there's several weeks worth of uh, of time between uh, when, the end, when the end of the basketball season arrives and the end of March. Um, plenty of portal um, comings and goings, including now at UVA. We'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. Spring football is also underway in Charlottesville, and we can sort of make the transition on the show um, in full. Uh, to today or tonight, as the case may be, uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, board moderator, who's your David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend?
2: Going pretty well, Brad. Thanks for asking. I'm um, spending all my free time watching transfer video, you know, potential transfer player highlights, um, and working. That that's my life. Who Dave's on the board? At Who Dave's on Twitter? And succession gifts.
1: Um, yeah, in succession I guess, yes. <laughs> and Charles editor in Chief Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. Uh my days pretty much consist
0: of um ten to twelve players going in the portal and then one of you guys texting us, like, what do you guys think of this guy? <laughs> and then and then we kind of we bounce it around for a few minutes and then we move on to the next guy. Um so yeah, I guess that'll that'll just be what we do for the next few weeks. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter.
1: Cavs Corner also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates. May they, um, I, I don't know, rest in peace or whatever for a few more months. Uh, I guess they're hibernating right now. They're like the uh, um, spring game. No, I won't, spring I won't, game uh, updates. Do you no, do I'm updates not, for that? I'm not doing. I'm not doing. I don't call those in-game updates. But anyway, in-game updates, content items, the occasional witty banter. Yeah. So basically, what happens, y'all, is w- some dude goes in the portal, and we begin to discuss that dude. And there's either like some questions about fit or whatever, or immediately there's a would take, um, text from one of us.
0: Um, or it's like some grainy, like, you know, what do we, what was today? Grand Canyon. Yeah. The Grand it's Canyon. it's hotter You're watching like grand, grand Canyon, play like Seattle university in like a grainy feed. <laughs>
1: it's like, all right, let's see what we got. <laughs> yeah. The, one of the joys of the, of the portal, uh, season is, um, To me at least Is finding these names That you sort of Vaguely remember And you're like Okay now Why do I know that kid Is it A Because UVA recruited him B Because maybe we all thought UVA should have recruited him C Because He wanted UVA to recruit him Uh, D Because they played And you watched him For You know Insert name of team here Um Um The Like
0: Tafara Gapare Or whatever his name is (laughs) Yeah
1: Him Like and, and, And like I know that Um you know, UVA had a cup of coffee in that recruitment And um, would not be surprised to see the Cavaliers sort of get back in the mix But it's very clear from the decisions of the last week That um, they're going to need some help um, You know, we knew Cafaro was already in um, We all knew Well, I don't want to say we knew We had a really good feeling that um, within well, I mean, honestly, I, I was kind of shocked that the news didn't come Much closer to when we released last week's episode Um but both uh, Isaac Trout and Caden Shedrick in the portal. Um, Shedrick, a very popular um, player in the portal, it would seem, judging from the number of schools that, at least reportedly, he's had to contact him. And good for him. Good for that kid. Um, you know, it's a, obviously a tough, he's had a rough, you know, few years between sort of trying to stay on the court and finally getting his chance and then losing that opportunity and like, basically not playing yeah. for a little while. Um, you know, uh, you know, a player is going to
0: make it on the portal when the uh, publishers from the other rival sites start pinging you, like,
1: "Hey, you got a, you got a phone number, number for, a number this, for this kid?" Yeah. <laughs> um, so it it feels like you know, between the the those three decisions, the um, complexion of UA's roster, you know, was already in flux, given some of the other pieces um, kind of falling in place. Right? You had the the guys who exhausted their eligibility. You had guys who were contemplating whether or not they're going to return for another year or go um explore their professional options and then you had you know guys who you knew were going to consider uh, a po- a possible transfer. The trout thing move, you know, the whole closer to home thing. I actually really appreciate that he actually put that, you know, on the tin, so to speak. Um you know, it's not um you know, it's not a situation where, you know, we're all sort of left to read the tea leaves. Um And the fact that, you know, I I think that a kid leaves and if homesickness is a, or he just wants to be home close to home, however you want to frame it. Um, if that's a reason and he doesn't say it, well, then everybody'd be like, well, wait a minute. You know, what if, what, what was the real reason? Right. Um, and i think it's good for all parties involved if that's the if that's the driving force behind it and he, and he kind of put it out there um that's i think a uh, I, I think that that's a, that's that's really good for obviously for UVA the shedrick decision doesn't surprise me though i thought maybe given um you know sort of not just the way the season ended but also to sort of the other decisions there in maybe virginia had a shot to um, to keep him Ferber. We obviously, you know, the three of us, at least when we recorded this show last week, we all had a really good, uh, feel that these things were coming. And if you listened to that episode, you probably could hear a lot of that informing a lot of our takes and our, our sort of angles and opinions on things. Um, I guess I just want to get your reaction to it now that it's, you know, now that it's out there and, and, uh, in the world, uh, did any, any surprise, any, um, heartburn I I mean obviously losing trout and you know never being able to see a kid play a game in a Virginia uniform is tough uh regardless of circumstances
0: yeah for sure um and you know it's it's one of those things too where you know it's been like this for a few years now but you still have to get used to the reality that it's a lot easier to transfer when you're homesick than it was before right I mean same with red shirting I think Dave you might have made this point you know in our text thread or maybe even on the podcast last week where it was like um before, you know, if you redshirted a guy and then he was, like, not happy about that, they'd have to sit out another year to transfer. So now you've, like, wasted two years of, you know, kind of not playing. Um, and guys want to play, I think, for the most part. So, you know, there's only so much you can do when you're recruiting a guy from far away, and, and they would rather go back there. We've seen that happen in other recruitments. We've seen UVA benefit from that at times in various, you know, both sports, really. Um And, you know, it it is what it is. I mean, you you know, it's nice for UVA that he specified that as the reason. (laughs) because You know, it looks good publicly. But, you know, with Caden leaving, I I think that was one where, like, you know, if you asked us a few weeks ago, you know, like ACC tournament-ish time, you know, we would have been like, oh, yeah, that's just a matter of time. Then, you know, like him playing at the end of the season and kind of playing well, it's like, all right, well, maybe there's a path for him to kind of see a fit for himself here. But... I think the damage is kind of done there. I think it's time for him to sort of try to move on and do something different. You have to remember too. I mean, these guys, um, especially if you want to play professionally, like you're kind of up against the clock. Once you get to where he is in his career, like what was it, What's he been at UVA for, is it four years now? Four uh, or three? He came in in 20, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he came in, in with more right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that was his fourth year at UVA. So, I mean, at some point it's like, you know, I'm not going to say the expression that I want to say because it has a curse word in it, but you either have to play or, or do something or you have to get... Uh, he, you know, I believe the, off the phrase something. you're
1: looking for is do something or get off the pot. I think is that, what is, you're that, is, for.
0: that is the one, yeah. So You I mean, can't, like, can't kind make of, that the title
1: for the record. Yeah, and that.
0: so you start to look at things and you say like, okay, do I really want to run it back here? Even if Tony's like, hey, you might have a bigger role next year, but like I'm sure he probably said that last year too. And I don't think he was like being dishonest or anything. It's just things don't always work out the way that you think they will. And so it's, or you could go somewhere and maybe get a fresh start where, you know, you're probably going to have a quicker path to the floor and things like that. So, um, you will see, I think he'll, he'll probably go somewhere that might turn some heads. Uh, uh, uh I would say, don't be surprised if he goes somewhere pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, overall, these moves sort of just leave UVA in a situation where one, you have front court issues. Like you're just going to have to figure out some guys to bring in. Cause right now it's like Blake Buchanan and that's it. Um, unless you go super small again. Right. And then, um, and then also you just look at the roster overall and, you know, like Armand has a decision to make. He's basically, uh, all he's got left is the COVID year. And, you know, a lot of guys don't use it. And then you have Reese who could decide to test the NBA waters at a minimum. And if that happens, then you're kind of left with what, like three guys, four guys that, and, and you're sort of looking at like, I don't want to say a rebuild that's too strong, but I would say like a, a, a retooling of the roster and some schools, as we've seen have used that to their advantage and been good. So, I mean, like it's not necessarily like the end of the world.
1: Yeah. Dave, if I mean, obviously we all sort of, you know, again, the 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 expectation was pretty clear going into um, sort of the thick of transfer season after the exit interviews and everything does it change things for you um, much if one of the guys had decided to come back um, I mean obviously you know I mentioned you know Trout is such a different animal um, and I don't mean that that was not a pun Um, Trout is such a different animal because the um, you know it's just it's hard when you get a really talented player. And you never get to see the kid play. And we had a fairly in-depth redshirting discussion last week. So I don't necessarily want to rehash that, but does it change your, your opinion or or your, your heartburn, right? If going into, you know, the rest of portal season, Virginia got one of those guys back or, um, you know, is the damage really done by the fact that there's Virginia needs help beyond just one spot.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say, right? Like, I thought, no, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say we knew Trout was leaving, but we had pretty, you know, you you said it. Um, And the question for me then was like, well, if he's gone, does that make Shedrick more likely to stay despite the rumblings he might not be either? Clearly not. And, you know, the more you think about it, the more sense it makes. Uh, Shedrick was here this year without Trout playing and Shedrick didn't play very much. Um, You know, and we talked about that at Nauseam, like, you know, the, Inside triangle offense worked a little better for Virginia at, during big stretches of this year, and that's just not an offense Shedrick plays in comfortably. Um, and you know, good for him. I'm sure he'll end up at a school, you know, a big school um, somewhere because you know he's he's large and he can move, and you know he's got skill. Just didn't always fit into what UVA likes to do, and didn't really at Tom's fit in with the pieces placed around him over the last few years. So. It, it does put UV in a tough spot though because there's not a lot of six foot nine plus dudes who aren't going to have every you know power fob knocking down their door um that's just the nature of college basketball you know you know we we tend to I think we all tend to focus a lot on the guys who leave our program right but I think the last count I saw was like 900 plus players in the portal um and for the record a vast majority of them played last year and did not redshirt. So, it's not, you know, the redshirt argument to me is separate from the um, transfer portal argument. Uh, You know, transfer portal stuff's going to happen regardless whether redshirting is relevant or not is a whole different discussion. And I think you guys, one of you said it before, like my point last week, before redshirting was a way to kind of lock in your roster. Now it is, if anything, a, a way to create, you know, um, instability in your roster because you're, you're not recruiting some guy to fill that spot, assuming you got that guy coming back, and then you get kind of caught with your, you know, we were like in the puns, and I get caught with your pants down. Um, <laughs> and that, In some ways, that feels like where Virginia is now, but look, a lot of time before the first, you know, before the guys enroll next, next fall, so time to make adjustments um, and time to see, like, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Tony Bennett's stubborn. He doesn't change anything. I don't think that's true at all. Um, you know, I think we're, if you just want to micromanage the the Trout, you know, if you want to microanalyze the Trout situation, look, I, mean, I would have loved to see the guy play. I think I said it last week. I mean, obviously bringing BVP on had a huge you know, ripple effect on, on everything. Um, if BVP had turned out to be Sam Hauser, probably not having this discussion. We're like, well, that sucks that he was so good and Trout moved on, right? And it, now it's a lot easier to kind of play the what if game yeah but yeah it's it, it'll be interesting to me to kind of see which way tony wants to move you know i think we've all seen it watching the ncaa tournament i know we've talked about it in our text thread um we've talked about it for 10 years like positionless basketball is here and been has been here um you know Plus, you, what do you got to do
0: to win games
2: what, what is it yeah, that you, you got to make, make, make shots, shots you gotta make shots yeah i mean to shots. me like you got to have you know i think i said it to you guys too like I think you've got to have at least three and you know, preferably four or more guys who can create off the dribble. That's just the way the game is going no matter how good your defense is. So I think it's an interesting time to kind of see how Tony builds a roster in this current day. Um, He's going to have to lean on guys with experience because he can't let them kind of build up if he wants to win right away.
1: Right. One thing I was thinking about um, earlier today, it feels like, you know, I mean, to today's point, just a second ago, a lot of folks will will bang on Tony and say like, "Oh, he doesn't, you know, he's stubborn, he doesn't adjust, that kind of thing." So I feel like during the uh, the Exodus, the you know the, the injuries and everything that they had with like that uh, KT Harrell season, right? One of the things Tony decided was like, "All right, the lesson he learned was we got to fill all the spots, right? We got I'm not going to be short-handed again." And they did that, and then they learned, okay, we can't. Just fill the roster to fill the roster because ultimately there's too many mouths to feed. So we have to be really, um, you know, really um, specific, really sort of uh, intentional about the way that we fill that roster. And then from the national, I'm sorry, from the uh, UMBC season, I've mentioned this on the show before, that one of the things they took away is like, like, we need another guard. We need to put, you know, ball handling is such a big deal. And I'm curious if coming out of not just this year, but last year, um, if they won't learn you know, some lessons. For example, I wonder, and I'm, I want to get y'all's opinions on this. I wonder, because a lot of people, I think, rightly, have zeroed in on the BVP edition and thought, they've made the connection to Dave's point just a minute ago, that like, if there is no Ben Vanderplass on the roster, you're looking to other guys on the roster to give you things that you wanted Ben Vanderplass to give you. Right? There's a very real likelihood that without BVP, Trout plays. Now, you can't say unequivocally right, that if Trout played, he wouldn't have decided to go closer to home. Right, If anything, I could make a pretty compelling argument that that might have actually exacerbated the problem. It's very true that when guys are redshirting, they have a sense of um, disconnect from the team because they're not in games. It doesn't feel the same just to be a person who's out practicing and practicing and watching them. As it is to actually be playing in them, guys will tell you this that it just doesn't feel the same, and that's okay. I think coaches understand this. This is why you very rarely see a guy redshirt when he doesn't have another guy redshirting with him. Um, but I think that even if you can't say unequivocally that he would have that he wouldn't have wanted to to go back closer to home and he played, it it stands to reason, and I think it makes solid sense that having that buy in would have made the decision to go home a very different decision even if it's one he would have ultimately still made that being said i i really do think that there's a lot that you can draw a straight line from um between bvp being on the roster and trout no longer being in the program at least in the sense of there would have been opportunities last year for somebody else to play and he's the he has a type of skill set that really would have fit Um, so do, what do we think for, I'll start with you. What do you think the lesson might be for UVA coming out of this season in terms of the transfer portal? Do you think that the BVP addition and the way that it, you know, in essence seems to have maybe had an unintended consequence? Let's, let's call it that. Um, do you think that that will change the way Virginia looks at the transfer portal? Or do you think that that's just, um, just kind of like the cost of doing business, so to speak?
0: Yeah, I mean, for UVA in particular, I don't think that they have to like learn the lesson of like be more careful because Tony is like as careful as it gets. Like he's not going <laughs> to he's not going to like go take a guy just to take a guy and, like, panic or something like that, right? I mean, that's not going to happen. Um but at the same time, I I think you have to and I said this last week, you have to sort of weigh the the cost benefit of it you know where it's like what does this do to my team if i bring this person in and you know like ben vanderpals is a great example of this whereas like he's a good basketball player like he's he's a he brings things that help you win games um but ultimately it's like he's not gonna be transformative you know what i mean like he's not gonna take you from you know like like i said last week like a borderline tournament team or a first-round team to like the final four necessarily um and if he did you look really smart for having done that um and there's been some examples of guys that have gone places recently and have been that you know like what kansas state did with their roster i mean they brought some guys in that really changed the trajectory of their program and miami like adding nigel pack and, and over here right. like those guys right. really changed the calculus i mean those guys are starters that score a lot of points and make a big impact um and make so i think a bank i too yeah exactly <laughs> That's yeah, not, I mean, not point that out right but i mean the the, the results yeah. are the same yeah, so same. I, I mean like i, I think it, it's not necessarily like get better transfers i think it's you have to look at your roster and say like all right um who's not gonna play because this guy's coming in like is this guy gonna deliver what we need or is he a role player like The reason that Braxton key worked is because you weren't like, let's build this thing around Braxton key. You know what I mean? Like he was able to be a complimentary piece. Um, We even talked about him not needing to play the year they won the title because he wasn't maybe gonna. Um, And then he got the waiver and played and we were like, should he just sit this year out anyway and then have two more? Like, I think that's your best case scenario is a guy that can do some things that can help you, but you're not necessarily like depending on him to be the team. Um, and then that opens up an avenue for other guys to play and i think that's people's concern with the red shirting thing is you're like you're making the decision in november that he's not going to play like cuz you're probably not pulling it off unless somebody gets hurt right like you're not going to have the guy sit half the season and then and then pull the red shirt off so i mean i think you got i mean like but i know I, I don't think there is a lesson necessarily because like i know tony would consider all of that stuff you know what i mean like um, yeah. it's not like you're asking him to like figure out how to do transfers. Like he knows what he's doing, but like, I think this year is going to be different though, just because like I said before, like you might be looking at a team that just has very little returning experience. Um, and so you're going to need guys that come in and start. Um, and I think that's,
2: that's going to, it's not going to be like last year. Yeah. Dave, I mean, what do you to think? Me, I'd, I'd like to, I don't know where this fits in, but I feel like I need to say it because not to be the adult in the room but um yeah uh, this whole trout redshirting thing and you know redshirting in general to and i think i posted this on the board i feel like we as fans are, are guilty of looking at it through the prism of oh uva got hosed by this decision right because we're losing the chance to get trout not the school he ends up at but I think you have to think about who Tony Bennett is as a person. And, you know, you can argue about whether it helps the program or not to be this way. But he looks out for his guys, right? He doesn't overpromise, you know. He follows through on what he talks to guys about during the recruiting process, which is why over the 10-plus years um, he's been here, he has done remarkably well with guys who he recruited who entered the transfer portal and getting those to com- those guys to come back because they realize he's – yeah, what he said is what happened, right? So if you think about the Trout situation, Tony Bennett didn't redshirt him. So Virginia could get four years out of him, you know, four years later. You know, that wasn't the only reason. Tony redshirted him because he didn't want Trout to waste a year where it looked like he might not get many minutes barring injury. Trout could have said no and Tony would have worked him in a few minutes a game. Trout didn't. You know, he decided to take the redshirt. And I'm sure if he'd really, really wanted to pull it off, you know, at any point, that conversation could have been had. So I think there's the, look, it hurts UVA, but look for Isaac, he's in a situation now where he realizes, Hey, I don't want to, you know, whatever the ultimate reason was he's got four years and for him, it was a good decision. But that said, I think Virginia's in kind of a different place this year. When you look at who's likely going to be returning, um, I mean, I think at this point we would all be surprised if Ramon Franklin came back, right? I mean, I think that's a consensus take. Um, you know, he's been here four years. He's going to have to get into a graduate program, do another ex- extra year. I um, mean, he's done his time. I mean, so be a little bit of a surprise if he comes back. And then Reese still hasn't made a decision. You know, my my gut would say he's going to test the NBA draft and kind of see where it is and do like Mom and he did. Um, hopefully, he'll be back. But let's assume only one of the two come back. They're really the only proven player on the roster. Um, you know, Isaac obviously, Isaac Neely obviously showed flashes this year, and we think he's going to be great and, yeah, and almost bank on it. And then Ryan Dunn showed his potential. But everyone else, um, Tane Murray, Buchanan, Gertrude, Trent, I don't think I'm Oh Harris, Harris, the, the transfer. They've all yet to show what they can do here, right? So I think Virginia's in a position where they can just take as many guys as they can get. And if it doesn't work out and if someone leaves, that's just the way it's going to have to be next year for the for them to have a mm-hmm. um, competitive roster.
1: I, I want to push back just a touch because um, I do think on some level one of the big reasons why Virginia Redshirts, guys, is the idea of trading your worst year for your best. And I do think that Tony would still um, like to, and I do think it's a... If it's not necessarily like the... The expected outcome I think it's still his desired Outcome which is that you are going to have a guy Who stays for four years and that you Are trading you know what amounts to His worst year his his Least impactful year the year When he is the least physically Imposing the the, the least um, You know connected to the Systems and, and everything that you're trading That for something down the road I know for A yeah. fact that the staff was extremely Frustrated when Um, they had a guy who did not get a degree, right? Not, you know, not because down, you know, and this was several years ago, but this was a guy who transferred and had, this was back in the old days, right? When they had guys had to sit, right? So this is, you know, I, I think that there's definitely a mindset of that. They are investing in a kid and putting that time into developing them. And they would, they do expect to have the opportunity to play that kid down the road. Now, I think you're you're making a really, I think nuanced point and I think you're you're right that there's a lot that goes into it um, that you're not it's not necessarily just that Tony only cares about what the kid does on the floor. I think Tony wants what's best for the player. Um, I think Tony also wants what's best for his program. and I think that what he's trying to do is to find situations where those two things are aligned. Um, certainly there have been years yeah, exactly. you know, in the past where guys could have played. Um, you know, I think Ferber mentioned this earlier, you know, just the idea of like throwing a dude in the mix. They've done that before, but only when really pressed to. And I think much like the decision to redshirt guys is largely driven by the player. And I don't think, and I, 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 I think that there have definitely been situations where a guy came to the staff to say, Hey, can I redshirt? Because they read the the writing on the wall. But I, I also think sometimes fans make the mistake of assuming that the only way that Tony would tell a kid that he's redshirting is by actually saying the words. Sometimes it make it's very apparent in practice. Sometimes it's very, and though, and I think the guys understand it, right? Like for example, if you didn't want to redshirt Isaac trout, you want to see what he can do. You throw him in there with the first team from the first day of practice and see what happens, right? If he's getting lots of run, he's probably not thinking he's not going to play, right? So if you wanted to counteract what you assume would be the natural sort of, you know, um, next step in a kid's mind, you can do that. You can have a conversation straight up with the kid and say, "Hey, don't worry about redshirting because I think you're going to play." Right? In in almost these these situations, like universally, what happens is the kid comes to that conclusion because the kid's not dumb. Like the kid sees the writing on the wall uh, and makes that call. So I just, like I said, I, I I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I do think that the this that that in terms of redshirting, and I do think that this might. Be one of those lessons that they learn um, I do think that they Have historically and and in, and in, Probably including this year thought That they were trading the kid's worst Year for his best and they were trying to Do what they could to Because I think Virginia has also used The red shirt as a way to sort of space some Things out um, you know Tony was never has never really been a big believer In these huge classes he would much rather Have you know every every hit that comes because you've lost dudes, um, who have exhausted their eligibility, like you'd rather not have like four or five guys, right? You much rather have that number be like in half of that. So sometimes they have red shirted guys to sort of space some things out. Um, but it all, because also on the flip side of that, then you're not like, usually you're not recruiting that, you know, you don't have to replace that many guys in one recruiting class, but the transfer portal changes the math on all that, right? It changes the calculus on all of this stuff. Um, Last thing on basketball for you. Flip over football. Um, I, I don't want us to necessarily go through like a like a laundry list of dudes who you know we would like UVA to add, um, because I, I I don't know if that's necessarily beneficial. I mean, certainly there there are just so many names, um, and Virginia has been connected with so many different guys that transfer recruiting recruiting is just very different. Because I mean, you're I mean, even if a kid announces. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually gonna, you know, um, you know, come to fruition, right? Um, but I do want to do want to get a, a kind of a consensus on how many guys we think they'll add. Uh, Ferber, if you had to, if you had to look into the crystal ball, what do you feel like as a a likely number for the number of guys that that UVA is going to add in the transfer portal this year? Um,
0: thinking. Three. Four. I mean, I mean three seems like the most the three, one that makes the most sense to me. If you think about it like right now you have one big and he's a guy who's a freshman. So or he he'll he will be one. Um so I mean you're gonna have to address that. I would also throw the caveat in you never know, there could be a twenty twenty three kid that reopens his recruitment because of a coaching change or something. Um and you get involved there. But yeah, I mean right now. Davey kind of ran through the roster. I mean, you got Harris. But I, if a lot of this, too, I don't want to hedge too much, but a lot of this has to do with what Beekman and Franklin do. Like, if they're both gone, then, you know, that you have to you really – dudes on the roster. Yeah, then, then you really have to start looking at, like, four guys and, you know, that you're going to have a completely different team. Because, I mean, you know, it, just to fill the roster out, I mean, you're going to need a, a group of guys because right now you would have Harris and Gertrude – and McNeely. Is that it in the backcourt? Yes. Yeah, that's three guards.
2: Yeah. I mean, like assuming you Beekman and Franklin don't return. Yeah,
0: yeah, you you can't roll out a team like that. I mean, you have no. to go out and get some guys. And then wings, it's like you've got you know you've got uh, Murray and and Bond who hasn't played.
2: And oh, um, I forgot Bond. We have seven. Yeah. Yeah, and Thank
0: then you. and then uh, who am I? Ryan Dunn. And then you can, I mean, like you're really looking at like, you're going to need some guys. Um, That's like, you're replacing like half of a team. So, you know, and I think at this point, it depends. Like Beekman's loss in particular, I think would impact things the most because you would have to probably get another ball handler. um, And, and that changes things. You might want to get one anyway. So, I mean, yeah, I would say like, if I had to guess, I would say they add between now and the season, I think they add four more players. Um, and, you know, if Beekman and Franklin both came back, then three. But I think it's going to be at least three.
2: Yeah. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, that number sounds right. I mean, so forgive me, I was wrong. Seven guys on the roster, assuming Beekman and Franklin don't return. So let's just say they're – consider them transfers we could add at this point, right? And, again, Beekman hadn't said anything, just just a hunch. Um, Beekman would be the biggest transfer we have. Like that, That's an NBA – you know, potential NBA player right there. You don't add a lot of those in Virginia – basketball you know uh, either even under tony you know there's a handful of nba guys so he's a big one you know with buchanan like yeah i think of him as a big but because he has a post game but he's almost like you know he's not the outside threat trout was but he's got a little bit of a face-up game um but he's almost an undersized five maybe you know a big four um but, yeah, you know, as much as I love Dunn, like his offensive game's got to mature a lot next year if he's going to be, you know. I, I don't know if Virginia can count on him to put up double-digit points a game. I think that'd be a, yeah. a welcome surprise. Um, And Bond the same way. Like, you know, Bond is more of like a, you know, 2-3. Um, So, yeah, I, I think between, you know, you got to add at least three. Yeah, you you got to get a big, you got to get a true five, I think. you got to face one. The, the
1: the numbers on this, like the math, like it's not just a, you're not even talking about like um, you would like to. Um, and I, and listen, and, yeah, and this is, to. and I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I we're going to ring the last little bit of this. Like, give me all the, me all the dust out of the Cheeto bag. Right. Like you, you <laughs> stick your hand in there. You, you gotta, you, this is not like a, this is not a situation where you're trying to talk, transfers into coming and being a part of something. You've got minutes, right? You've got like clear paths to significant playing time out there. Um and Virginia's done a pretty good job, you know, in the portal the last few years, even when, you know, you could argue like, I mean, think about some of the guys that they've been able to get when there wasn't necessarily as clear a path to playing time as there is right now, right? Um, this is just one of those realities of of college basketball. Like it's just it's not gonna sit out there. Um, the one other thing I want to add before we, I swear we're switching to football, the, everybody can get sort of like, you know, sort of sad or whatever you, however you want to frame it about never seeing trout play, uh, as in a Virginia uniform. And I'm right there with you. I will also feel every bit as sad if I'd never get to see Reese Beekman leading this team by himself, like when it's his team. Um, this is not a shot at any, it's not, I'm not, this is not, I'm not taking shots at Kihei or whatever, whatever. I'm just saying like, I really would love to see, even if the pieces around him aren't necessarily as, you know, um, as um, as plentiful as maybe they have been in the past couple of years or whatever. I just, I'm going to be really bummed if I don't get to see that dude lead a team. Like, you know, it's clearly his team and he's the, he's the point guard. And this is, you know, yeah, it's I mean belt around him. He's been on the
0: ball a lot, but like you could make a case and I'm making it. That he's kind of been playing out of position he has. his entire career. Exactly. He really like, has. he hasn't actually been in the position he, he should. Really be
1: Really hasn't. He really has Scared. And, and I'm kind I don't of hoping. Hold on one second, Dave. I kind of yeah, hope yeah. that's what he hears from the NBA um, when he tests the waters. Is essentially like, they want to see him being the lead dart. You know, they want to see him be the lead dog. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. My my concern with what's on the roster now is it's a very real chance if he does come back. It's just Harris assuming the key role. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have more Um, of the same, in a sense. And so, yeah, I do think the possibility exists based on no insider information at all that Reese gets the feedback. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, if he doesn't get the promise that I'm going to be the point, like, you know, he tests the waters and then goes into the portal or goes in the portal and tests the water. So, not to stir up UVA fans, but look, I mean... If you look at the roster, and assuming they can't add, you know, some wing scores, you, you got to put your best players on the floor in that situation. And it's hard to imagine a roster where, from a ball handling perspective, knowing Tony likes two guys that can handle the ball at if all times, arms. right?
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Also, you have to face this is too. Isaac like, ready to be that if guy?
0: you're Reese, you haven't won a tournament game.
2: You haven't made a deep
0: run. This team's not positioned to make one right now. Like, right now, this team is not position Today, yeah, they, no. yeah i think
1: you're right about <laughs> that. The, if you f- if you add the
0: right guys and it right. works out like miami yeah. but like you know I, I, right now like if you're a reese and you're like it's depending on me to make this team to drag this team to the tournament like
1: and i think the flip like, side of or that, though, i
0: could or i could go to you
1: know texas and be in the final four or whatever the flip side of that honestly though is that for some guys you know I'm not saying that that's not a part of it. I just think that some players just think to themselves, like, yeah, but I'm gonna be part of it, right? Like they they put a lot of like yeah, that's true faith in themselves to make a big difference, right? And to, I mean, I'm not saying the Brandon Armstrong true. corollary. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that like you know a lot of guys feel like they 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 can make that they can make up that difference. And if the NBA tells him they want to see him be a point guard. You know, maybe you know, stay where he is and be a point guard. Um Speaking of rosters, let's let's flip over to football. Spring football obviously underway in Charlottesville. Plenty of um uh, of stuff to discuss uh, about sort of where Tony Elliott and company sort of are in year two. Um, spring ball has a def- definitely has a different feel coming off of last season and certainly the the tragedy that ended it. Um in in some ways, though, I think it's, it's just nice to be able to talk about football again in the sense of just being able to focus on the actual football. Ferber wrote a, a piece on the receivers that was up on the site today. And, you know, obviously because, um, you know, Virginia had two of its receivers um, killed last year. And, you know, you can't talk about that position group without the loss of those two guys, both on the field and obviously, you know, um, in terms of their, their lives being so tragically cut short. Um, but you've got a new position coach who replaces an an all time great. And you've got, you've got a lot of interesting pieces at receiver, um, that even if Virginia has to, you know, they don't, they won't have, you know, a number of guys who played last year, um, and a number of guys that have played for a long time, you know, the, the reality is, is it like, still you get a sense that like that, that cupboard's not completely bare. Um, you know we all you know we're huge fans of, of Malachi field uh we're gonna be um we're we're sort of required to be at this point i mean the the kid has been coming to our tailgate since he was like knee-high to a grasshopper feels like um still my guy I, i'm you know, so it's like you he's know, not knee-high
0: to a grasshopper anymore <laughs> you know he's definitely
1: not he's a grown-ass man now um Uh, But I mean, like, you you know, you you have, you have some interesting pieces at receiver. And I wonder if, and I kind of want to start this uh, discussion here. Does this team have more talent than some of us, including us, (laughs) some of us, including us. Now that's a sentence right there. Then, then a lot of folks, maybe ourselves included, do they have more talent than we're giving them credit for simply because of what we saw last year, sort of the, the overall um, malaise and dysfunction that. Was apparent at times like do they are, are they do they actually have more talent than we're giving them credit for or is this you know do you guys still feel like it's really a work in progress that is going to require a significant talent upgrade in addition to guys sort of you know getting better in their new roles Uh Ferber, I'll start with you. You mean like specifically at receiver? No, no, I just was – I'm using receiver as sort of a, um, a snapshot yeah. of the roster. I think – I'm not saying that every position is like that where you've got a bunch of dudes who are un- unproven but you know potentially talented because the reason I asked this question, the reason I'm framing it this way is because I was thinking about it today and I was like, well, you know, the Musket kid's a pretty solid addition at quarterback. You know, whether Jay plays or not, you know, if, the, if he's the guy, okay, that's fine. You know, that's fine. Um, the offensive line has a lot of question marks as a new position coach. Um, I'm not saying that like that that line's going to like lead the ACC in rushing or whatever. They're going to like r- you know be super dependable, but it's you know there's there's some serious. There's not really marks, but, a reason
0: for me to think they're going to be like way worse.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. fair. And so like I'm and <laughs> I, I mean schedule. to me the running back position is as deep as it's been in a long time. Yeah. And you and, and you have a coach and a, an offensive coordinator who seem like they might actually you know want to run the football. And then defensively, I think if you look around that that defense with the number of dudes who came back uh, and the pieces they've got in place, the only spot that really concerns you is cornerback because of the losses you you suffer between um, AJ and and, and Cypress uh, transferring. Right? Like real talk. Like I'm not saying look, I'm not trying to make an argument here that like Virginia's going to win the ACC. I'm not. I'm just saying like is it possible that like the folks who are super stressed about them being like absolutely like, you know, historically kind of terrible because there are definitely a lot of folks out there who are worried about that in large part because of the schedule. But like, is it possible? Some of us, including us. <laughs> is it possible that maybe some of these, some of these cupboards are not necessarily as bare talent wise as some of us, you know, might have, might have worried mm-hmm. they were. I would say,
0: I think you kind of nailed it, which is like at some positions, yes. And at some positions, maybe not. Um, like, I think, you know, the offensive line is is kind of a wash. You hope that the two transfers, including the one that they just got yesterday, um, pan out and play and do well. Um, and you hope that your new position coach can get the most out of them. Um, you know, I receiver, I, I kind of like the receivers that they have, but at the same time, I, I think it would be short-sighted to say that it resembles what they had before. Um, now the receiver group last year was not productive, like period. They just weren't, um, there's a lot of different reasons that might have been the case. Um, but there were the issues with the drops and they just didn't have explosive plays. And some of that's on the quarterback and, and, you know, the coaches and all that stuff too, maybe. But, um, you know, like right now, you know, we saw it. I was writing that thing up. You know, you look at that North Carolina game last year, that was like their best game on offense. And that was without Wicks Kemp, Davis, and Thompson, I believe. Um, I think they all missed that game. Man, we found out about that what, like an hour before the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you know, they rolled out there with J.R. Wilson and anybody else they could throw out there, <laughs> and Malachi Fields wasn't ready to come back yet. Um, so I think there's some potential. I think you're depending on guys like Demi Starling to kind of because he has some explosiveness to f- put it all together when he gets his chances, because it feels like he got a few chances last year, but was sort of hit and miss. But still wasn't being asked to like play starter snaps. So, you know, he's going to have to step it up. Fields, you just got to keep him healthy and hope that he makes the leap that we all think he's going to make. And then I really like the Malik Washington addition. I think he's a just a solid veteran player. But again, this a lot of this is going to come down to how good your quarterback is. Um, you know, I think if the musket transfer works out, and and I say this because. You know if wolfolk starts i think that tells you a different thing about how that transfer worked out um but if musket is a starter and is really good then i think you do have a team that could win some games um you know on defense you, you kind of nailed it i think there's there's some pockets of of depth and talent defensive line uh in particular and then there's some question marks i mean the linebacker group like that they they've got some work to do with nick jackson gone um corner Uh, so I mean like there's some work to be done. I think it's going to come down to, um, the development piece. Right. And I think like the receiver room is a perfect example of that. I like some of the pieces they have, but I think some of those guys are going to need to be polished. Like even Wilson. I mean, they kind of just threw him in the fire last year at the end of the year. And he, he made some plays, but I don't really feel like they were asking him to do too much either. So like
1: that's fair. Yeah.
0: Now it's going to be a different sort of phase in the evolution for that group. Um, and it's going to i think a lot of it's going to come down to development because you're not bringing in a bunch of blue chip recruits. So um we'll see. I mean, I ultimately like I think kind of to answer your question, I think there's reasons to be concerned. Some of that is the schedule though. So that's independent of talent. Right, um, fair. Yeah, fair. But I think I think at the same time like not to put it all on one guy, but I think if your if your quarterback is right, a lot of things are right. Yeah.
1: And 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 Dave to that point like if there was ever an example of that, you know, think about sort of what Brennan was when he was good versus what Brennan was last year. Which, I mean, however you want to characterize that, feel free. Because when when, when the offense, when the quarterback play is, is, a, is at a high level, you know, you have to have a really bad defense in order for your team to struggle, right? And the chances that Virginia's defense is going to be really bad this year... Are pretty small. I mean, I, th- I think even even without Nick Jackson in the middle, you know, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism on that side of the ball, especially again because of the number of guys and who they had come back. I mean, like they're like one solid cornerback away from, I-, I think, from thinking that they that that defense could win them games. Now, granted, the schedule is is really tough, and so I'm not going to like sugarcoat that. But quarterback play is, is such a just a just an absolutely critical piece of the puzzle that it it's it's hard to I think to to just gloss over it. But even if they get like decent quarterback play, right? I feel like there's enough talent around whoever that quarterback is where you know the offense might not necessarily be as bad as some people think. What are what are your thought what's your thought process on this? Do you how, where do you come down on it?
2: Yeah, it, it's tough, right? Because if you just look at let's let's just start with the offense because you know the defense I don't I think that's a different ball game but offensively if you compare the talent to what we thought we had last year this time it's a it's not the same you know the wide receiver core that we think is still pretty good this year was all there last year except for Malik Washington right and they weren't even like we weren't even focusing on them having to produce now these guys have to step into a role through tragedy and and transfer and graduation in you know step up to be the main guys doesn't mean they're not talented but they were depth last year um running back room obviously you're you're adding some talent there and then quarterback you're you're changing so the question is do, are you comparing it to what we thought these guys we had coming back last year or what we saw last year because if you compare to what we actually saw last year i think you can feel good that maybe we're not as far behind as we maybe well thought. that's a that's um, a
1: good that's a good point a good frame i would say that what you thought doesn't matter once you see it right yeah and so where now, this time last year we were mad that Brennan
2: wasn't on the Hosman board right
1: <laughs> yeah and i had we a were. lot of folks who were super frustrated. Fresh- you know i get a lot i would get a lot of texts you know, about that of- like why are people worried about this kid at wake forest I'm
2: like well <laughs> yeah. yeah you mean that another name now um but yeah i mean i think overall the offense look i i don't i don't think they're going to be prolific by any means um the reports I've gotten is that the team is a lot more bought in this year than they were last year. And that is a big piece of the pie when you're a team that doesn't have Alabama or, you know, or other power, you know, elite program talent. You know, you you can't have talent lesser than those guys and not have complete buy-in and have success. We saw that last year. And
0: you can't Um, have guys like tiptoeing around. Like you have to
2: like believe in where you're going and go do the,
0: especially football. I mean, that's how guys yeah, get where hurt. You're going and that's going how fast, guys wrong. Yeah, not,
2: exactly. Right? Yeah, be quick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the offense is same as last year to me. Like, I mean, ultimately what last year's offense came down to was the offensive line. Um, you know, obviously quarterback play, but the the offensive line, that was a big question mark going into the season and I don't think it ever panned out to what we hoped it could to help those other pieces shine. Um and then it, it maybe it Maybe in retrospect, it wasn't just the offensive line. Maybe the offensive line didn't get the help it needed from those other pieces. So we'll see that this year. I, I still think the offensive line is a huge question mark. So, um, obviously they just added the kid from, um, was it Miami? Is it Dayton? Is that where he's from? Yeah. 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 Uh, I got too many transfer in, in my name. Uh, not the basketball player from Dayton yeah. that, that Brad sent <laughs> us earlier today, but the highest graded, you know, offensive guard by PAF, PFF and, um, yeah, FCS so it's a good addition and you know obviously they already added Nana and it sounds like Bowley is going to you know yeah. if there are two spots based on what Tony Ellis said to the media it's, it seemed pretty you know if you want to make bets like it seems like is going to be your starting left tackle and Furnish will be your starting center again um, Nana is working at left guard and we'll see if that changes in the fall but right, just does the offensive line gel defensively you guys I mean I think you guys have hit it it's can you can you replace two cornerbacks with um, with what what's on the roster now? But you do have another transfer period to kind of add some depth there. And you know how do you replace replace Nick? Yeah. So well, I mean, yeah, if, the this... schedule, if we had last last year's schedule coming up, I'd feel a little more confident. Yeah, this kind of goes back
1: to the point you just made, sort of about you know what we were thinking last year because when Rudd and company came in last year none of us expected I mean we all hoped man they'd turn things around but I don't think anybody expected that they'd be able to do it the way they did it and to do it um, as sort of um, you know succinctly as quickly you know what I'm saying like it just I, I did not think that was a possibility so knowing that that happened now I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's like, I, it's almost like I'm at that point with them already where I'm like, no, no, they'll figure that part out. Maybe it won't be as, you know, maybe they won't be as good as Johnson and Cypress were. Um, but I, I still think they'll figure, you know, whether it's gains or whoever f- fits in at cornerback come fall, I feel like they'll f- figure it out. What I find really interesting, fellas, is that like a lot of times for spring ball, we focus a lot on who's doing what because that's really the piece that tells you the most about not just like what the coaching staff thinks of their. Their talent, their succession planning and that kind of stuff. But also kind of tells you sort of where things are in the pecking order so you can sort of, you know, almost like track it going into the fall, right? This spring is different to me at least and I'm curious to get y'all's kind of point of view on this because I feel like none of that matters because everything is about getting the program, getting the coaching staff sort of back on track. Um, You know, we have certainly all heard varying degrees of you know there's definitely been a um a vibe change right now i can't tell you how significant it is i can't tell you how widespread it is all i can tell you is that there have been a number of sort of people around who 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 will tell you that you know things feel a little different now and that's good because there were clearly a lot of mistakes made last year um in a variety of different ways um now i am a big ferber will tell you this because he likes to you know I'm a big believer that two tr- two things can be true at once, right? I think it's it's true. Trademark. <laughs> I think it's true that losing Marcus Higgins is just an absolute gut punch, and I also think it's true that maybe for this team with this coaching staff, that having a guy who is an Elliot guy will actually be a huge benefit, not just because of like the in like the individual coaching that the players will receive from. Memes, but more of the big picture of like I I think that it's fair to to make the connection that maybe Tony Elliott spent a little bit too much time uh sort of micromanaging receivers last year focusing on something he knew because as a first-year head coach he didn't know what he was supposed to do with his time and like he seems in the in the comments that he's made publicly um during spring ball he seems like a guy who has sort of seen some of the errors in his ways and he's trying to do things a little differently this year. And, and we've talked before, right. About the idea of like coaching, like Bronco coached that first year UVA, like it was a, it was another year at BYU. And I think Tony did that to some extent too, with, you know, thinking that guys were just going to magically get to the place where he wanted them to get to. And he didn't necessarily know how to get them to that place that quickly. And he needs to do a lot of, uh, of different stuff in order to get them on the path to go in the direction he wants them to go. So I kind of just want to, I want to get y'all's point of view on it. Cause like, to me, it's not that I'm not saying that the stuff that's actually happening in practices and on the field stuff, I'm not saying that that part doesn't matter. But to me, the bigger picture, the bigger piece of it is how the thing is moving cohesively, right? Do the different parts fit now in ways, especially offensively, that they just didn't fit last year. You could make, a number of compelling arguments as to why, you know, Brennan was this and why receivers were that and offensive line was this other thing. But like what I'm more focused on now is does it feel like things are pointed in the right direction offensively? Because I think that's a direct corollary um, to whether or not the program itself is sort of pointed in the right direction. Ferber, let's start with you. Give me some thoughts.
0: Yeah, so it's a cop out answer, but let's have this conversation again after the spring game because fair, very fair. So, here's what here's the thing is like we probably, I don't think we talked about it a ton then, and yeah, I think we just missed it because we didn't anticipate it being an issue with Brennan back and all the receivers back. But go back and watch that spring game from last year, that offense was terrible, and it was a sign of what was going to be coming, it was clunky. Weird quarterback stuff. Brennan missing throws. Receivers in the same spot. You know they hit a couple plays in the second half when it was mostly like backups and stuff. But I mean the offense did not move the ball, and you know like they look really clunky. I went out to the practices in the fall, and you know they don't give us a lot of like eleven on eleven stuff. But when when I did see it, um, it was just the same. It was like it looked how it did in the games. The only thing that kind of threw me off was Brad. You you and I went to that scrimmage. And they, I mean, like literally, I was like, this defense is going to be terrible. Like, this, the offense was just, what did we see? Four touchdowns in like eight minutes. Yeah. I mean, literally, like every play, every drive was a touchdown while we were there. Um, starters, backups, whatever, you know, it was efficient. Um, and I guess that was sort of fluky at the end of the day. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think our eyes will tell us something. I don't expect them to be perfect in the spring game, but if Muskets making plays, you know, like moving the ball around and things are looking good, then I'll start to kind of believe that maybe they got something. Um, And what that means, I don't necessarily mean when I say got something that they're going to be great, just that they could be, you know, competent. Yeah, Um, that's fair and sure. we'll see i mean like i think it's a it's a process i also you know like and i don't i know i'm not telling you this brad but just so people know i mean like you hear the buy-in stuff you hear like things are going well people are working hard in good times in the, you know the yeah, well, there's time. no that's true there's the no spring. there's no
1: opponent punching in the
0: face right and now, in, in august know? and when 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 the illinois game happens and that's i mean like You know, the vibes around the program, all that stuff really turned after that game. I feel like we didn't hear, I mean, like the Richmond game wasn't perfect and not everything was perfect leading up to that, but like we didn't hear all the negative stuff until then.
1: That's, and then I, I would, I put it like this I would say that I certainly didn't hear a lot of negative stuff. I definitely heard a lot of like, oh, that's weird. I, mm-hmm. I had a lot i heard a lot of stuff that made me go hmm that's odd right it wasn't like overly negative right it wasn't like that it wasn't like yeah man this thing is completely off the rails it was definitely like yeah that just seems weird you know like yeah th- and little stuff you know and, and dave chime in here because like nothing that yeah. kept you guys from picking i did not like hear anything games, <laughs> 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 that's true um Dave, do you feel like this is just preseason awesomeness disease taking over early? Like, do I need to do I need to go get inoculated? Like what yeah. what do you think?
2: Flat flatten the curve, brother, because I don't have it <laughs> yet. Um look, I don't know where we are. And I think it's too early based on what fob practices they've had or something to yeah. to be jumping to any conclusion. But I do know two facts. Like, you know, the Just two though. The you know, not not, you know, and I want to i don't want, make you know, sure we're gonna that's... have to say this for a while so <laughs> i know we're gonna say this for a while given how you know the terrible tragedy that happened taking that away from the picture
1: okay for the record we st- no wait yeah. hold on we're gonna do this Moving right now. forward that's In, a way for, that's yes a listen when we talk about football we do not under any circumstances mean to like like downplay or whatever exactly. nobody is we're not trying to you know we are we're we're not going to pretend that this that this horrible thing didn't happen and we're also not going to jump through a bunch of hoops every time we try to talk about football to make sure 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 that nobody because like yeah i I mean even like writing the receiver
0: thing it's hard because you're like well now i have to mention why this guy isn't there (laughs) you know it's not
1: just it's not just that it's like i and i understand where dave's coming from because he's like he started to say something and he realizes like well no the worst thing that happened to them (laughs) right was definitely not anything football related i think we all agree that that is the reality um you know, and it's just, if we're not mentioning that, it's a mistake. It's not intentional. Yeah and, yeah, and certainly, and like if we if we start to characterize things like on the football side, we, we are not trying to like pretend that this other terrible, horrible event did not take place. We're just focusing on the football part of it. That's and I and I don't think we need to every time, you know, I don't think every time we're going to do that. We have to say, and I just mean on the football. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think at this point, right. like if 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 we if we if we say something that um that truly is out of line. People feel free to call us out. But I, I think, I think at this point, everybody's on the same page.
2: Yeah. Good. For our first time talking football extended, you know, hitting into the spring. Well, it's good to get that out there, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the two facts I had last year, you know, well, I forgot what I said, how I said it exactly. But one of the facts I got, you know, the stuff we did here last year was, you know, a few games into the season, the little, hmm, and interesting things started to turn in to, if they don't win, this could be a problem. <laughs> you know that that's kind of the the way it jobbed. And as things didn't, as the team didn't win, those problems, you know, the the whispers got louder and louder, right? Um, so all that's last year. So that brings us to this year. Tony Elliott wasn't brought in here for his defensive prowess, right? He, he's brought in here to be the head coach because you know, with he had he has an offensive background. It just happened that last year's team was propped up by the Air Force defensive coordinator that. He inadvertently hired one you know I maybe that's not the right when he didn't that wasn't his first choice ended up being brought on uh with the help of his staff and the defense was <laughs> I like how you incredible. made it seem like
0: he like tripped and fell and like hit the high. oh point. yeah
2: Rodzinski. <laughs> um um but yeah the yeah wasn't what he did so and then offensively he brought in a few of his guys and kept 2J and, and Hagen well guess who's not here this year 2J and Hagan so you know he's only been this is his second second spring as a head coach, second spring at UVA. Um, not to borrow some Al Groh term, but he hasn't done all the – shot. he had, doesn't have all his groceries yet, you know, because he's only got a class and a half basically. But he's got all his chefs now in the offense. So it's time for, you know, the meal plan to start – you know, you start – it might not taste right, but I should start to see it a little better, right? I should start to understand, oh, this is his potatoes au gratin or whatever. <laughs> it should be a little clearer this year because everyone – handpicked by him um and that's what i'm going to be looking for and i don't need the offense to come out and beat tennessee from last year i mean it'd be great but i need to see something better than i saw last year with pieces that we knew were capable of performing in another system um, regardless of what the pieces are this year and and that's what i'm going to be looking for and until i see that i'm not going to have pad
1: fair enough I think that's, that's the thing with
2: football, too, is like college
0: football specifically is like there's no preseason. So it's not like you can ramp up and be like, OK, things are starting to
2: look like the way yeah, that
0: they should look. Yeah. Can
2: I ask why there isn't a preseason? Why do why can't we end the spring with a scrimmage against another team?
0: I Does think that's ESPN
2: not need want to pay us extra money for that. I mean,
0: I think that's what they should do for like if they especially if they ever make a rule or do something to get rid of FCS games. It's just yeah. have like UVA play William and Mary or whoever, like and, and yeah. as the spring game. And then you can still pay them. I mean, it wouldn't be the same. Like you wouldn't pay them as much. Well, if you put
1: them on TV, that's all that matters anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you're still, you could still give them some money and have them come up and play you. And they get something out of it too, right? Um, yeah. And they don't have to, wor- I mean, also, there's not as much downside for UVA because it's like if you lose to William and Mary in the spring game, like nobody's going to care. Like, True. you know what I mean? I mean, people will care, but like you're not going to be treating it like you're not going to be going out to win. Like, necessarily. True, true. Um, so it's not like it's mm-hmm. embarrassing or whatever. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of weird. I mean, even basketball, like, they, they have, like, a couple of scrimmages and stuff. Football is just, I guess, it's just such an undertaking to have a scrimmage. <laughs> like, that people can't, yeah. you just can't do it. Yeah, um, But, yeah. And UVA is actually in a pretty advantageous position geographically where there's so many schools within a couple of hours um, that you could
2: do it. So, Food for wow. thought for the off-season. Food, we food really for thought to, 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 talk to about. wrap us There's up. There's a future all season podcast topic right there. <laughs> thank you.
0: Brad's <laughs> just talking about flaming Hot Cheetos for 90 minutes.
1: <laughs> if you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs um if you want to give us a rating or review we appreciate it now if you're somebody who has found the podcast but you have not given us a look at the website yet you can check us out at calvescorner.com right now ferber has like um he's got that piece on the uh, the aforementioned piece i've mentioned the aforementioned piece i mentioned wow the aforementioned piece on the wide receivers um which i thought was was really telling especially to hear from Mims. um he also had uh, put together sort of a 3 two, one sort of looking at some of the storylines. Um, there's obviously a lot that goes into the storylines on the hoop side, so there's there. And then Houston caught up with uh, Gertrude to talk about his rehab and um, you know his excitement about getting DBA. So definitely give that a look as well. Uh, I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of Cascorn.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.